Welcome to NVC Life. I'm Rochelle Lamb, veteran NVC trainer and relationship coach, helping listeners navigate interpersonal conflict and ground more deeply into relational living. Greetings, fellow humans. What is nonviolent communication? Ah, that's a big question. Now, there are many different ways to answer it, and there are probably many different ideas about what nonviolent communication is. I know that being part of a trainer community, not everybody describes it in the same way. So I will just confess up front that I am going to describe it as I understand it and as I have heard Marshall Rosenberg, who was the author of Nonviolent Communication, how he himself spoke about it. One of the things that he said, I remember in a direct conversation that I had with him, he described it in the following way. And he said, my current understanding of nonviolent communication is as follows, sharing what's alive and making life wonderful. Now, of course, he expands a lot more on that in his book, Nonviolent Communication. Let's, in fact, look at what Marshall says, the very first page of the book, Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. He writes, believing that it is our nature to enjoy giving and receiving in a compassionate manner, I have been preoccupied most of my life with two questions. What happens to disconnect us from our compassionate nature, leading us to behave violently and exploitatively? And conversely, what allows some people to stay connected to their compassionate nature, even under the most trying circumstances? My preoccupation with these questions began in childhood around the summer of 1943, when our family moved to Detroit, Michigan. The second week after we arrived, a race war erupted over an incident at a public park. More than 40 people were killed in the next few days. Our neighborhood was situated in the center of the violence, and we spent three days locked in the house. When the race riot ended and school began, I discovered that a name could be as dangerous as any skin color. When the teacher called my name during attendance, two boys glared at me and hissed, Are you a kike? I had never heard the word before and didn't know some people used it in a derogatory way to refer to Jews. After school, the same two boys were waiting for me. They threw me to the ground and kicked and beat me. Since that summer in 1943, I've been examining the two questions I mentioned. What empowers us, for example, to stay connected to our compassionate nature, even under the worst circumstances? I am thinking of people like Eddie Hillison, who remained compassionate even while subjected to the grotesque conditions of a German concentration camp. As she wrote in her journal at the time, I am not easily frightened, not because I am brave, but because I know that I am dealing with human beings, and that I must try as hard as I can to understand everything that anyone ever does. And that was the real import of this morning, not that a disgruntled young Gestapo officer yelled at me, but that I felt no indignation, rather a real compassion and would have liked to ask, Did you have a very unhappy childhood? Has your girlfriend let you down? Yes, 
He looked harassed and driven, sullen and weak. I should have liked to start treating him there and then, for I know that pitiful young men like that are dangerous as soon as they are let loose on mankind. Eddie Hillison in Etty, a Diary, 1941-1943. Here, Marshall refers to Eddie Hillison as being an example of staying connected to our compassionate nature, even under the worst circumstances. I always like to point out to people, too, when I include this as a reference in handout materials and workshop, that Eddie Hillison does not ultimately uh, get what she wants. Things don't turn out well for her. She died in that concentration camp. And yet she retained her humanity in the face of grotesque conditions of a German concentration camp. And so just because we practice nonviolent communication, it doesn't mean that things turn out well for us. What it means is that we are able to remain compassionate and human and humane in trying circumstances. So what is NVC? It could be described as a tool for communication to increase our capacity to understand each other and to hear each other. It could be described as a tool for conflict resolution. It can be described as a way of seeing and understanding conflict and relationships. It can be described as a consciousness, and I know that many trainers like to highlight this aspect. I like to highlight it as well. It's simply that it requires a lot more elaboration on it, as Marshall would have done in his workshops, about the spiritual underpinnings of nonviolent communication. It's interesting to me to note that Marshall would speak about having traveled extensively throughout the world. I can't remember how many countries that he visited, but I believe it was well over 40. Many included war-torn countries. That when he would start to speak about the real connecting aspects of nonviolent communication, it was not uncommon for people to approach him and say, Marshall, what you're describing is applied Christianity. What you're describing is applied Judaism. It's applied Islam. It's applied Hinduism, etc. That wherever he was, whatever the faith of the people, that they would see it in that light. So that's really useful, I think, to recognize that there's something inherent in nonviolent communication that speaks to a human aspect, a human place within us that one might describe as spiritual or having an affinity or, or regard for something that is much larger than ourselves. Marshall regularly spoke about cultivating, developing an NVC consciousness. And so what is that NVC consciousness? Is it something that's accessible to us simply by virtue of learning four steps to communication? which in the NVC process is making a clear observation, stating our feelings, stating our needs, and making a clear doable request? I think the answer would be no. It is simply not enough to convey those pieces of information. Because if our understanding of ourselves and the world and of others is one where we look out for number one, we go after what we want, 
and we make ourselves primary in all our interactions, then we don't have the consciousness. If we return to the questions that Marshall asked, I think that's a far better way to actually get to that place of having the consciousness. Those questions, again, are what happens to disconnect us from our compassionate nature, leading us to behave violently and exploitatively, and what allows some people to stay connected to their compassionate nature under even the most trying circumstances. I love these questions, and I think if we were to begin our days with those questions, we would make a lot more progress in the area of connecting with ourselves, with others, and with the planet, with the earth. Marshall answered the question, what happens to disconnect us from our compassionate nature, by providing insight into alienating communication, which he summarizes as follows, making diagnoses of other people, making demands of others, denial of personal responsibility, and deserve thinking, using punishment and reward to motivate ourselves and to motivate others. So when we're operating within that paradigm, we're setting the stage for defensive engagement and responses rooted in submission or in rebellion. And this constitutes a loss of power. Now, power was something that Marshall found very interesting, very compelling. And he spoke often about how human beings use their power. The question is, are we willing to use our power with others? If we use our power with others, what we have is a sense of collaboration, of partnership, of teamwork. Whereas when we use power in the power over or under, because we can adopt either one of those two stances, this is what puts us into submission or rebellion or becoming a tyrant or a bully. So it's very important to recognize that there are paradigms that people operate from. And nonviolent communication was an invitation to move into a paradigm of collaboration, of power with, of real partnership. In Marshall's book, Living Nonviolent Communication, Practical Tools to Connect and Communicate Skillfully in Every Situation, on the very last page, Marshall is responding to a question. Do you believe a spiritual practice is important? For practicing nonviolence. Marshall responds I recommend in all workshops that people take time to ask themselves this question How do I choose to connect with other human beings? And to be as conscious as they can about that, to make sure it's their choice and not the way they've been programmed to choose. Really, what is the way you would choose to connect with other human beings? And so, yes, nonviolent communication can be described as a tool to support effective communication, to help people resolve conflict effectively, and it can be described as a consciousness. But it's not easy to do when most of us have been raised in the dominant culture, which supports competitiveness and exploitation. So, what is nonviolent communication? Yes, it's a process to help people share what's alive in them and make life wonderful. And how does it achieve that? 
by asking us to examine the relationship between how we think, behave, and speak with our capacity to live in accord with life and with what we value if, if we decide to make living in a humane, caring, and partnering world a priority instead of maintaining the status quo of a consumer society that challenges our capacity to live by life-serving values. I hope you might appreciate how challenging it can be to really practice nonviolent communication in a deep and sustaining and consistent way. Because in our culture, we are bombarded ongoingly with the message of getting ahead, of resourcing ourselves so that we can manage all of the challenges that living in a competitive consumer culture generates for us. Here's another quote from Marshall. So we've been living under a destructive mythology for a long time, and that destructive mythology requires a certain language. It requires a language that dehumanizes people, turns them into objects. So there you have it. I think we are often subjected to influences that do disconnect us from our nature. Sometimes it's hard to even know what our nature is. But at least the study and practice of nonviolent communication can help us catch glimpses into what our true nature is and provides a very clear path for restoring a connection to our human nature in order that we might deepen our humanity. Thank you for tuning into NBC Life. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. For free resources or to book a private session with me, head over to rochellelam.com. Until the next time, stay sane, grateful, and generous. Thank you.